Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Pull on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray for me that whenever I speak, the words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the majesty of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Father, we thank you that you are holy. Our heavenly Father, we thank you that we come to you only and in and through the name and the work of our precious Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for us upon the cross. This new year of 2023, we declare, Lord, that we are so grateful for the gift of salvation. We're so grateful for the gift of the Holy Spirit within our lives. We're so grateful that you have called us as men and women to live for you. And Lord, we are grateful that this is all enabled within our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here amongst us, that you enable us to be able to commune with the Father, that we thank you for the glorious triune God. We thank you for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who honor each other, who love each other, who throughout eternity have danced that eternal dance of love and communion and together as they center on each other, as they gather and as we thank you for the glory of your gift of salvation. We feel that in our hearts, Lord. We feel the working of the triune God at work within our hearts. <clears throat> and we are so grateful for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless every family, every person gathered here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Uh, it's good to see you. Happy New Year to you. Uh, if you're a young person, uh, then follow Jonah going that way. Uh, if you're, um, you know, 11-year-old or uh, uh, grade 5, 6, and 7, you can go to youth and follow um, 
there is uh, Katrina. She's waving right there. Um, if you're not a teenager, please do not follow them. Um, good to see you all this morning. Did you all have a good Christmas and um, a happy new year? We I did, I'm sure, but some of us, of course, had frozen pipes. Yeah. So I was crawling around in the crawl space, seeking the Lord from the depths below. And thankfully, I was helped out by Phil Neufeld and, um, and Mike Spanny, and I was able to, um, to get a, a big blow heater down there, propane gas, to see what would happen if my house would burn down. I sat with it because I felt it was unwise to leave a live flame under your house, just saying. Um, but, but, you know, those conditions, if you're from Alberta, we're sorry about the weather, minus 29, just before Christmas. Never is like that in Kelowna. It's never, never. That's what they told me when I moved here. So um, it's good. Well, we're beginning our 21 days of prayer, and uh, we are fasting this week on Wednesday. You can choose to fast however you want, your Starbucks, uh, your meals, lunchtime for 21 days. I know many people approach this in many different kinds of ways. And so I want to encourage you, however you approach it, to take those three areas where you can uh, uh, pray for. Now, of course, often, because we've done this for many, many years now, Often we find that three things aren't enough and you have subsections and subsections, right? And it goes on and on. Well, that's okay. You're allowed to have uh, an area, uh, a main area and then subsections. Honestly, the Lord really likes it when you pray. So uh, we're going to encourage you to take that, pray about those three things. And this Wednesday will be a whole church fast day for those areas that we're all seeking God for in our lives. The following week, I believe that we're going to fast on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then the final week, you've got the idea. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then we gather together and we are having our prayer gathering, our final evening of the 21 days celebration, testimonies, and a time of prayer. But this is a time where you can push into God every morning, join us to this. Join us with the devotions. I'll be online tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Log on, join in, and we're going to pray together. And then throughout the time, if you can't get there for 7 a.m., then, of course, it'll be on Facebook, and you'll be able to, or on uh, any of our platforms, you can log on, and you can watch it and look at it, and, um, and join us in those morning prayers Monday through to Friday. There's a prayer meeting Wednesday morning, 9.30, and there is always a prayer meeting, 9 a.m. Sunday morning um, in, in the uh, fireside room. So come and join us. I wanted to start this off with reminding us some truths that are really important. And yet so often we can forget that they are uh, critical. And this is about the struggle that we face. We face a struggle in our our Christian life, very simply because we can forget that, as Peter says, that we have an adversary, we have an enemy, we have a prowling lion that is present called the devil, called Satan, that is present and desires to devour and to attack the saints. 
And I think sometimes there is a danger that you and I can forget that we are in a spiritual battle. And that we realize that this is not an amusement park or uh, theme rides in our Christianity. This is real life and this is true and this is happening right now. We have a spiritual battle. This battle goes all the way back. And sometimes we can forget that when it talks about the prowling lion, the lion really actually exists. I often tell the story, and if you're new to Willow Park Church, um, it's one of my little favorite ones, was one day I took the twins to a safari park, and in the middle of the lion den, suddenly um, we all stood still, and, um, and the car in front of us, full of teenage uh, university students, uh, overheat and smoke all came out. And so in the middle of the lion's den, where the lions never seem to move, because if you ever go to Safari Park, it's like the lions are just there, stuffed. But they got out and foolishly and started to look at their car in the lion's den. When all of a sudden, the big lion to the right that I'd never seen move jumped up and started to run towards them. Another line from the left started to move all around. People started to honk their horns. The students started to panic and they started to run. Can I say it's not a good idea when... They started to run. One student got into one car. One student got into another car. One student headed towards our car. I, didn't, I opened the door, but then I could see the line was coming as well. So, oh, no. Um, I'm not that kind of pastor. So I did open the door and he dived into our car and joined us and went, phew. And we were pipping our horns, honk, 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 because that's what you're supposed to do. And it, it brings the rangers. Eventually the rangers arrived. We got moving again and there was an empty car and the rangers were looking around where the people were, obviously, and checking the the area for bones. Uh, but foolishly, the, the, the students forgot that this wasn't like just a nice little theme park with tame animals. A lion is a lion is a lion. And, and if the lion sees something different, still today, that lion ran around and chased. But I think there's a danger in our Christian walk that we forget that we are in some kind of spiritual theme park and we forget that actually it is a real battle, there is a real enemy and we need to pray and we need to resist the enemy. This goes right the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3 when we see that promise after the fall when when, of course, that promise came with Eve and it says, I, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush the head and you will strike his heel. This is the first prophetic utterance of talking about the, the hostility the enmity that exists between the serpent, the Satan, and between the followers of, of, of God, uh, between us, the people of God, that there will be but one day 
there will come a seed. And that seed will be a crusher. And that crusher will crush the serpent's head. And let me remind you, as I've preached many times, that crusher came as the son of David, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, that came into the world to defeat the power of death and Satan and sin and to bring us victory. And sometimes we forget that there's been this battle we know in the book of Job, that ancient poetic epic story of where Job experiences the attack of Satan allowed by the sovereignty of God to fulfill the purposes of God. Always remember that, that the enemy still cannot be above the sovereign purposes of God in the world. And we see Job experiences his pain, his loss, his agony. His friends came to him and came and stood by him and didn't encourage him. And and finally, his wife said to him, you must have done something bad. Why don't you curse God and die? That's not the kind of wife we need, okay? (laughs) Curse God and die? You're joking, aren't you? Oh, but the epic story that, that sets the ancient, one of those ancient texts in our, our testament, there we hear the epic story of Job battling. And then we have the story of David, of course, where it literally says that David was, was, was tempted by Satan and, and there he, to, to take a census of all the land. And he enticed him to do that. And when he enticed David to do this, he was at work within the land and enticed him to do it. So there's a theme running right the way through where the, te- where the Bible is not shy about reminding us that there is a devil, not shy about reminding us that we do have a battle to fight, to remind us even when we face with the Lord Jesus Christ in the 40 days of fasting, his time in the wilderness in that time, he battled and And he was there, and there in the final moments, he turned and he said, you shall only worship the Lord thy God. But Jesus felt that temptation. He knew his enemy. He knew the hostility. He knew where the battle is. And I think within our evangelical world, there's a danger that when it comes to the spiritual realm, we have become agnostics. We just don't know whether we quite believe in evil anymore. We just don't know whether we quite believe in the demonic anymore. We're just not sure about all of that when the preacher preaches about the spiritual battle. Is that really true? Let me tell you something. You just have to switch on the news and look at this world and know the pain and the suffering to know that there is a battle taking place and the church is called in prayer to battle against the darkness. We are all called. And for maybe to you, today, you've been thinking it's a safari park. It's an amusement time. But it's not. It's time to take that step. It's time to move forward. Jesus there said, you know, worship the Lord thy God, only speaking directly to Satan. Peter, of course, had his moments. Mark chapter 8, verse 33. 
there, of course, after he declares the glory, who do you say that I am? He looks at him uh, later on, that lovely moment of declaring that even then his thought patterns could be influenced by darkness, by telling Jesus that, Jesus, you must not die on the cross. Jesus, you must not do this. Jesus, you know, you're, you're meant to be a Messiah that's going to ride on a mighty horse, that's going to throw the Romans out. You're, you're that kind of Messiah. And Jesus rebuked and said, get thee behind me, Satan. We see that at work. We see it at work with Judas, of course, where Satan literally enters him. And as he enters him, there we see the betrayal taking place. And we understand that, that moment where Satan literally enters in him. We go into the New Testament farther and deeper, Ananias and Sapphira. And there they are, selling land, pretending to be somebody they're not, lying to the apostles. And literally the apostles look at them and they say to them, you know, why have you allowed the devil to, to grab you? Why have you allowed Ananias? How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? I was praying through the book of Acts over the holiday, verse by verse and thinking it through. And I lingered on this story for a while again. It just reminded me the importance that as Christian believers, we have to live in truth, not lies. It reminded me that we have to live with integrity and keep battling because it's so easy for our hearts to become polluted. It's so easy for our egos to take over. It's so easy for us to go, oh... You know, make it appear that we are better than we really are. Really what needed there was just truth and honesty. But you know, so often we can be deceived by the enemy to be deceptive and lying can come in. And yet we have to be transparent. We have to be humble. We have to be vulnerable. It was it Mark Twain that says that when you tell the truth all the time, you never have to remember anything or... You know, something like that. He was telling us, you know, that, that, that you don't have to worry about anything because you're not carrying lies. You're not carrying deception. You're not carrying that within your lives. Even the Apostle Paul spoke about how the enemy stopped him from traveling to places and going to places. That there was a battle taking place. But brothers and sisters, and he talks about this, but Satan blocked our way. And often we feel that in our lives. We feel the, the battle. We must discern what is taking place. We must discern whether we are being deceived, whether there is a spiritual battle going on, whether it is just circumstances of life and there are problems. And I'm certainly not one of those preachers that preaches that there's a devil under every cornflake. Because there's a lot of cornflakes in the world. But I am somebody that accepts that, it, that the enemy exists, of course, and that we have to be discerning, thinking people. Even there in Revelations, we know that the church was under attack. And of course, there was that battle that took place and the church 
Uh, and, and it said, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. I love the fact that the Lord knows us so intimately in the life of the local church that he knows how long you're going to suffer for. And the Lord knows this church intimately in the same way, that he knows what we travel through and what we go through. The Lord knows every church in this city and in this province and in this nation. And the problem is, is that we don't often have a functional Lord as in, he is our Lord and we are following him. So often in our Christianity, we can have a constitutional Lord that has no power and yet we say, yes, he's king. But the difference in our life is that we are choosing to say, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of this church. That the reason this church exists is because of Jesus, the great shepherd. And we've always got to set our hearts and say, Jesus is number one. He is the one that we follow. He is the Lord. And the church, and be faithful even to the point of death. I will give you the crown of life. A quick overflow there from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. If you're under any doubt that we have an enemy. So maybe we need to wake ourselves up. Maybe we need to remind ourselves that not everything is as it seems. There's always been a conspiracy, and that is a conspiracy of darkness that exists within the world that is broken and fallen. You don't have to go far to look for conspiracies. You just have to read the Bible to know that there are schemes and plans afoot to bring down the church of Christ. So where does that leave us? How does it actually work? What is the goal of the enemy? As we begin 21 days of prayer, what is the goal of the enemy? What are the goals of the enemy? How does he work? Well, first of all, he wants to blind the believer, blind the world from believing in God. And so often we can forget that. And often we talk to people and it's as if they are completely blind. And the enemy's goal is to blind the believers. The enemy's goal is to wear you out so that you give up living your faith and moving forward within your faith. That you you kind of have a spiritual adrenal fatigue. Or you end up feeling like you're continually worn out because you're on the treadmill of a spiritual kind of religious experience rather than a living relationship with God. The enemy does not mind us being inactive. He does not mind us not serving the Lord. He he doesn't mind us even coming to church. What he does mind is when the church of God rises up and we start to pray with authority and with power. And it's often that is, prayer is such a beautiful thing. Being in the presence of God is such a remarkable experience. The intimacy, the closeness, the relationship. And yet the enemy wants to wear down the church so that we stop 
doing what we're doing. He wants to cause it so that we fall away from faith. He wants to cause it so that you end up with no purpose and no direction. He wants to stop the gospel being preached in the world. He wants to turn it upside down. He wants to stop the good news of the love of God, of the forgiveness of sins, of the power of God, because prayer literally changes things and things start to happen. I see that in my own life. I see it in our own journey. We, we run a little Airbnb in the bottom of our house. And, um, and we had a guy come and stay with us. And when families come and different ones, we, we meet them, we chat to them. We had a family from, from South America come. And they spent a week with us. And, and, and they came to live in Nativity. Uh, which was awesome. Always a time to share good news, isn't there? And they were lovely and really, really lovely. And they got to know Linda here in the church and been going there um, for dinner ever since. Uh, they haven't given their lives to Jesus yet, but hey, we've got a Spanish-speaking group going. So we're believing for, for uh, just love them to bits and, and let them find Jesus. And we had this one guy turn up and you know, it's a bit irritating, to be honest. I could hear him in the distance. He was a gamer. He was gaming all the time, talking to people all over the world. And I'm sort of sat there, and I could hear in the distance, yeah, yeah, you know how they game, very noisy, and, and so on. And, and he was walking, you know, around, and it, it was just a, a little bit like, oh. And, uh, and it was a bit irritating. So I said to, said to Michelle, what are we going to do? She said, I'm going to pray for two weeks that the Lord will touch him. I was like, okay. I thought we might just say, be quiet. Um, so, so we prayed for um, two weeks. Lord bless him. Lord bless him. And I was, I was sort of in on this. But Michelle was definitely doing it because I'm like a little carnal I don't know if I want to completely pray for him. I don't know. Really? I'll pray for him. Okay. Yes. Now, my sacred time is when I'm on my treadmill. We had that big snowstorm back in November, the beginning of November. And so I'm on my treadmill and I'm running and I'm doing, and Shell pops her head in there and says, Hey, Phil. Um, He's got stuck down at the bottom of the drive in the snow and can't get out. Uh, it was a Saturday. I was jogging, memorizing my sermon. And like, can you help him? I was like, oh, really? Honestly? Honestly? Okay. Like I'm a teenage boy. And I walk down. I go, hey, how's it doing, Spencer? I put on my pastor face, ah. and uh, how's it doing? He's oh, God, oh, I got stuck. It's completely my fault. I'm sorry. I said, come on, let's, let's help. I said, let's do this, and, and we, we managed to get him out, and he, we leant across his, his um, little Ford pickup truck, and we leant like this, and he goes, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. What do you do? Are you retired? I thought that was an interview. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I'm like, 
Do I appear to be retired? That's not a good advert for the church membership. Um, I said, no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. He said, a pastor? I said, yeah. He goes, well, which church do you pastor? I said, the one opposite Dairy Queen. Oh. He said, um, uh, he said it's really weird. He said, I felt the need to come to church for about two weeks now. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to come tomorrow morning. And I went, okay, okay. You know, didn't, didn't know. I said, that's brilliant. I'd love that you to come. Love it. And he came that Sunday morning, the end of November, after the snow. You remember that? You know, the big one. Amen. And um, good, for, good for Big White. And, and he came. And, uh, and, um, and it was good. He said, I absolutely loved it. And it ch- I loved it, he said. I was so happy that I wasn't the Grinch. I was so happy that I prayed so hard for two weeks. <laughs> but, but love him. Bless him. And they finally left. He stayed for six weeks. <laughs> and, and I was like, can I pray with you? Can you have a Bible? He said, I was hoping you would give me a Bible. Hoping. The nicest, n- nicest guy I've ever met. <laughs> you know, isn't that the way? We forget that our prayers make a difference. We forget about purpose. We turn, the enemy aims to turn the gospel, overturn the spread of the gospel. But the gospel is only propelled. The good news of forgiveness, of grace and love is only propelled by the prayers of the saints. But the enemy opposes these things, discredits God's goodness, that God has become bad news rather than good news, that the church has become full of this and that rather than the goodness, the goodness of God. And there are areas, of course, where the church is utterly failed. We, we, it wants to cause us to break fellowship with God and to weaken our testimony. And as I draw this to a close, and I will just jump forward in the message a little bit, I want to remind you what Scripture teaches us four things as you step into 21 days of prayer. As you make a choice, as we as a church gather and pray, as we believe together, I want to remind you what Scripture teaches us. Well, first of all, Scripture teaches us to be self-controlled and alert. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him and stand firm in faith. And I want to encourage you that the process of 21 days is resisting the enemy in our lives. Now, I know on your three things, because you'll be the same as me, on them will be family members that we are praying for who are either not living with God or are sick and ill. And we want to see a miracle, right? For others of you on those three things, you'll be praying for for job situations and finances and worries in that arena. 
rightly so, and so you should. In other areas, you'll be praying about relationships wider and friendships and battles and difficulties and so on. Often our prayers fall into those areas, a change of life, a change of purpose, a calling, a family battle, a difficulty that we face and so on. And I want to encourage you to resist the enemy in every area of those areas and to pray that his will will come. To pray blessing on your children, blessing on your grandchildren, blessing on your, your, the spouses of your, of, of your children and your relationships and all of the messiness of family life. I know that for many of us, the messiness of family life will be on our prayer list, right? I mean, every family has its problems. Just look at the royal family at the moment. Woo! But the truth is that you may write a biography about being a spare. The truth is we are all spares until we become a child of God and adopted into his kingdom. And we see dysfunction everywhere. We just see it played out at the moment. Uh, with, with the most famous royal family in the world. And yet, what we know is that the issue isn't with flesh and blood. The I- issue is with generational sin. The issue is with problems and difficulties, with selfishness and ego and pride. The difficulty is, is that we're not forgiving, we're not loving, we're not caring, we're not saying, come on, I'm going to pray for these people and I'm going to pray that God's blessing will come. Do not stop being a praying Christian. Step into that. If you're not a Christian, get right with God today. But be willing to pray. Scripture instructs us. The next thing Scripture instructs us is this. This will surprise you that you need to be willing to pray for yourself. That very often... We do not pray for ourselves to resist temptation. We do not pray for ourselves to grow spiritually. We do not pray for ourselves to to move. It's an ongoing process, praying at all times in the Spirit. That is a, a present, active activity in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What would you pray for yourself? Well, I pray every day that I could be more and more filled with the power and the spirit of the Holy Spirit. This is power. I pray every day that I will be forgiving and full of grace. But I pray more than anything that I will know the Lord Jesus Christ more and more. And that when I feel distant from him, I will know his presence in my life. It's good to pray for yourself. And I pray in the 21 days, maybe one of those needs to be yourself, that you will grow, that you will go deeper, that you will be changed through the process of a prayer month, that you will go farther than you've gone before, that you will hear God's voice in a new and fresh way, that scripture will be energized and alive to you like pocket rockets shooting from the pages alive and that you are absolutely in love with the truth of God again and reading those scriptures and allowing them to shape you and to form you and allowing theology to come to you, the study of God in the most glorious way, my friends. 
pray for yourself. I challenged a group of 17 pastors last week to do this who are mentoring. To pray for yourself. I said, how many of you pray for yourself? Probably 50% of them never pray for themselves. And I said, well, is that right? Because you should pray against temptation anyway. Pray for yourself that you're not. Pray that you will grow. Pray that you will. It's an interesting conversation and very, and they were like, yeah, yeah, you're right, Phil. Yeah, 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 we'll see. Scripture instructs us to ask for prayer from others. So in our prayer groups, this is good. We can be so insulated. Ask for prayer from others. Get that support. Don't be an island. Don't be isolated. You've got things you're praying for. You've got trusted people. You're part of WhatsApp groups to pray together, to believe together, to support each other. We need to bless each other because we need to pray for each other's families. This is a time for us to pray. I love praying for so many families in our church. And Pray for us, too, that God may open doors for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul solicited prayer for situations in his life. And it's important that you solicit, you know, if you've got prayer warriors all over Saskatchewan, relatives who you know love to pray, make sure they're praying for your children and your grandchildren. Make sure you keep them up to date. Get the prayer going in your life. And finally, hallelujah. Scripture instructs us to remain in community. You can't do Christianity isolated. The church has been tested over the last three years about our commitment to each other and commitment to being together and our commitment. But we need each other. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That could have been written written at this era, couldn't it? People are falling away. They're giving up. It takes effort to come to church and to look at each other. What a lovely bunch you are. It takes effort. It takes commitment. Because COVID trained us to love Netflix more than we should. It trained us that we quite like watching church in our pyjamas. And, and if you're online, love you. <laughs> love you. Honestly, stay, you know, if that works for you, it works. But we'd like to see you as well occasionally. And we love you. Don't lose community. Don't do it alone. Know that we're there for you. Put your prayer requests in. Put your prayer requests in. Is that we consider, don't get out the habit, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. The enemy has goals. Those goals are to blind the world. Those goals are real, to bring fatigue into your spiritual life, to cause you to fall away, to lose purpose. Those goals are to stop the gospel, to think, to create an environment where God is no longer good, to break fellowship with one another, 
and his goal is to lose our testimony, that we lose our testimony and that we don't shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's doing a good job at this, at this time. His tactics are ancient, my friends. His tactic has always been to use lies. His tactic has always been to come and to distort the truth. His tactic has always been to persecute the church. His tactic has always been out there to, to use circumstances against us and, and to work against us. His tactic is to bring doubt. His tactic is to bring fear. His tactic is to use sickness in our lives to discourage us to a point where we no longer serve God. His tactic is to use pride. His tactic is to bring slander from our lips. His tactic is to bring bondage to us. His tactic is to bring sin into our lives. His tactic is to bring opposition to the church. His tactic is to bring false doctrine into the world that denies the truth of the gospel and the work of the triune God. His tactic is to just discourage every one of us. He's got goals, he's got tactics, but we've got 21 days of prayer. 21 days. And, um, and I'm excited for it. And I want you to be and to go for it. And maybe your New Year's resolution was 2023 was to come back to church or to log online. And I'm glad you have. But, um, but give your life utterly, completely to Christ this morning and go... I'm not in an amusement park. I am now in a real battle. And in humility, in love, in grace, I'm going to be a person of prayer. And I'm going to start January. January now. I'm going to start to make a difference and to move forward. Let's stand together.